I want to welcome you today to Our Savior's Church. Welcome to OSC at Home, and what a joy it is to be with you today. I'm Pastor Eugene. My wife Heidi and I are the campus pastors of the Opelousas Campus in the St. Landry Parish area. And I want to give just a special shout out to all of our locations around. Broussard, uh, kind of the mama church where it all began. Lafayette, we love you. Midtown Campus, you're amazing. Youngsville, all the way down to New Iberia. And of course, Sweet Home, Opelousas, our favorite place in the world. And uh, we just want to welcome you this morning. I know there's some of you that are watching. This is your very first time. And we are so honored to have you. So really on behalf of Pastor Jacob and Michelle Aranza, our senior pastors, as well as our campus pastors, we just welcome you to, uh, w- welcome you to the service today. We'd love to get to know you. In fact, you can just join us right there in the chat. Let us know it's your first time. We've got a host there that'll reach out to you. And just so glad that you're here today. I wish we could put our hands together and you, everybody, you could hear everyone clap for you. We're just honored that you're with us today. Uh, We're living in some really crazy times right now. Uh, That's the word I just keep using. I don't know about you, but every time I'm watching television or reading the news online, I mean, it's just, you just go, this is crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. It it is uncharted waters. We are, I, I like to use quote Psalm 77, we are walking where there are no footsteps. I mean, we're making decisions that we never thought we'd have to make. Do we have service? Do we not have service? Uh, Do we bring people to the building? Not bring people to the building. We're just walking and navigating. You're seeing our economy go up and down. And I know some of you may have even been impacted by that. I know our region will be. And we're walking through these uncharted territories. Uh, I I call it resistance. You, you feel the wind at your face and, uh, What I love about the word, what I love about the Bible is you can always find someone who's kind of walking through a parallel season. It may not be the same circumstances, but you can find someone or a group of people that are walking through kind of the same type of season that you're walking through. And I want to encourage you by letting you know, not only are we seeing COVID-19, social unrest, uh, inequality in our nation. I mean, we're seeing all kind of economy, polarization of politics, news media. We're, 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 we're navigating some really treacherous waters, but I want you to know that God is also right in the middle of it. He's speaking too. And I just, I know where this ends. It's going to be really good. And I believe this is going to be our finest hour. So I want to go to the word. I want us to look at a group of people that are walking through something kind of similar to what we're walking through, uncharted waters. And I I want you to see, and I was convicted by this, and um, I I hope you are as well. Maybe you will be, and um, uh, just a real encouragement to you and to your family. And so I want us to go all the way back to kind of the beginning of the church. And it's important that you realize that the beginning of the church in the Bible, uh, they didn't think like we think. They didn't think buildings. They didn't think rows of chairs. And in our world, it's lights and screens and cameras. Uh, they, they didn't have that. They didn't think that way. Uh, the church began not as a ministry, 
but the church began as a movement. And it was really fueled by one act. It was the resurrection of this man named Jesus. He was crucified, put in a grave, three days pass, and after three days, he's resurrected and he comes back to life. It was that resurrection is what fueled this movement. It began to really grow fast. And uh, I mean, uh, we know that just within uh, uh, 40 days, there's 3,000 people being added to the church at the first service that Peter preached. Two weeks later, we hear that 5,000 people joined the church, men alone. And it was led by these 500 plus people who were eyewitnesses. That means they saw Jesus after the resurrection. And you, I don't know, you ever watch any of these uh, shows on television, these courtroom shows or whatever, and you've got the, 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 the attorneys arguing, you've got the, the jurors over there, and then they say, wait, we've got an eyewitness. And, and you know, the eyewitness is going to change the case and the verdict. And over 500 were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. I mean, I want you to remember, this is not, they didn't do CPR on Jesus to get him up. I mean, this was a funeral happened. It's over, day one. They're, they're back at the house eating chicken and potato salad. Day two, they're eating leftovers. Day three, they're smelling the potato salad and throwing it out. And then Jesus begins to appear to the disciples. Eyewitnesses, this church just takes off. And with the moving of the church comes resistance. I want you to say that word, say resistance. Yeah, resistance, though it could be that you're moving in the wrong direction, resistance usually means we're heading in the right direction. It's the the wind at our face. It is uh, resistance coming against you, that you're moving in the right direction. I believe with all of my heart, when when you're moving the ball that God wants you to move, there's always going to be an opposing force that is opposing you. We're watching it happen in our very nation as we speak. Uh, As a a pastor of this congregation here in Opelousas, many of you know, and if you don't, I'll tell you, this community in which we live in is about 50% African-American and 50% white. Well, our church is about 50% African-American and 50% white. And some of the civil, or excuse me, the racial injustice that you are seeing has, has caused, or I call it a test, of whether what we had was real in this very house. It's been a test. It's been some resistance. And I've shared with our brothers from other mothers and I've shared with our white brothers. I've said to them, look, this is the test. This is the test to see, the resistance to see if what we have is really real. And so this early church is now facing the same resistance of threats, of economic downturn because people were saying, hey, they're from that Christian group, or they called it the way. They're from the way. Let's don't do business with them. They're starting to receive the persecution. They're starting to be pressed against. And we get the opportunity 
to look inside of a prayer meeting. And this convicted me when I read this. I, I, I want you to, I'm going to take you in and just read you one of their prayers from the early church days when they're walking through a season of resistance, just like we are. In fact, I'll take you to the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, and here is that prayer. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. Do you see the resistance, Lord? Give us, your servants, great protection. Now, that's not what they said, is it? Oh, Lord, you see the resistance? Would you give us great peace? No, that's not what they said. Oh, Lord, give us great preservation. Preserve us. And that's not what they prayed. They prayed, Lord, give us great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I don't know about you, but that is a convicting prayer. We live in our history, in our time, in our lifetime, we live in probably the safest, freest country in the world. Some of us even live in the safest neighborhood in one of the safer cities in the safest nation in the world. And we pray that the Lord would protect and make us safe. They're living in one of the most dangerous places in the world, and their prayer is that the Lord would make them bold so they could seize the opportunity in which they have. Look at me right here. God is giving us, the church, the greatest opportunity in my lifetime to promote and to preach the gospel to a world that's open to hear it like never before. I can't see you, but could you just say amen? I think I heard you. We live in a culture where boldness about our faith will cost us almost nothing, and yet we lack it. I've taught our Opelousas campus this number. I, I've done this before, and I just want to say it for you. I, I tell them all the time, about two or three times a year, I'll say. Say this with me, 19,817. And they'd say, 19,817. I say, say it again, 19,817. Say it at home right now. Say it with me, 19,817. And you say, Pastor Eugene, what is 19,817? That is the number of people within driving distance to the building we're sitting in now who on the last census, when they asked them what church affiliation do they have or spiritual affiliation they have, they checked the box, none. 19,817. I'm not the judge of their heart, God is. But is it possible that about 50% in our rural community 
could spend eternity, eternity in a place where Christ is not, called hell. And that we have a responsibility within this community to be the representation of Jesus, to go out into the community, to represent him well. Look at me right here. There's never been a more opportune time to represent Jesus than there is right now. Say amen right where you're at. The early church had that conviction that everybody was going to spend eternity somewhere. I'm praying that the Lord would, re our hearts would recapture that same conviction that heaven and hell are real and their people are going to spend eternity there. That very conviction fueled something, an unusual kind of love. In fact, the proof that you were a follower of Jesus was how much you really loved. Jesus would say, when asked, hey, Jesus, what's the two greatest commandments when the Pharisees were trying to, to trip him up? And he would say, number one is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And number two is like it, that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm afraid we've kind of gotten into a world now when we're watching in our culture that we think, even within the church, I've heard this said, I've read it online from good church folk. I don't hate anybody. Bless your heart. We're not supposed to live with an absence of hate. We're supposed to live with the presence of love. The absence of hate. The commandment is not love God with all your heart and then don't hate your neighbor. It's that Jesus said it is to love them. In fact, Jesus would even add to it and say, not only love your neighbor, but I even want you to love your enemies and that you would bless those who persecute you. The greatest commandment. Heidi and I were back in, we've been married for 31 years and back when we were courting, I was living in New Orleans, she was living in Dallas and uh, we didn't have very much money, either one of us, and we saved up enough money for her to take a flight down to New Orleans and uh, had a little grandma in our church that let her stay there and, and then we could just spend a couple of days together and then she had to fly back to go back to school. And uh, so I was so, so proud. I picked her up and we were gonna go out and I was gonna take a really, really nice restaurant. Uh, you might have heard of it, very nice restaurant in New Orleans called Piccadilly. And so uh, I pick her up and man, we pull in, we get in the parking lot and I go to pull into a parking space and just as I was pulling in, the other car opened its door right as we were pulling in and I had to slam on the brakes and so it was, we just, we just kind of pulled up. We're like, whoa. And the lady there, she, she closed her door and, and I pulled on in. And about that time, her husband was in the passenger seat. He gets out of the car, comes walking to the back, and I could hear him cursing me and th calling me out to the back. He said, come on out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick your, you know. And so... Now my, my pride is on the line because I got my girl here that I think, you know, probably going to be the one. 
And, uh, I, you know, I want to prove to her that I can take care of her. And uh, I know I don't look, I'm a lot bigger than I look. And so I just say, baby, you, you just wait right here. Daddy going to take care of business. Okay, I'm exaggerating this story just a little bit. And so I get out of the car. I'm shaking. And, and I don't even know, I'm praying. Lord, Lord, I don't even know what to do. Lord, I don't even know what to do. Lord, you got to be with me. I walk, this, this is a big old boy. And I, I walk around to the back of my car and he's yelling, I'm about to kill you. And this is the only thing that came out of my mouth. I don't know where it came from other than God. I just said, I love you. And he stopped. And I said, I love you. And he took a step back. And I said, I said, I love you. And finally, he just shook his head, got in the car. I could hear him go, come on, baby, let's go. Jumped in his car and they took off. I walked back to my car. I opened up that door, got back in. And just looked over at Heidi Lee and I said, don't worry about it, baby. Daddy, Daddy took care of you. She goes, this is the truth, though. This part's true. She goes, what did you say? And I said, I just said, I love you. And she goes, that's weird. <laughs> love is the strongest force in the universe. The early church had this unusual kind of love and if we ever need it we need it now I love what Craig Groeschel pastor uh, one of our pastors in in our nation of uh, life church and a bit of influence on many of us said this and I quote if the early church had been safety conscious if the early church had been rights conscious instead of bold, the message of Jesus would have disappeared within six months of the resurrection. Here's what happened. After they prayed for boldness, they began to speak boldly about what they have seen. Would you say seen with me? It's what you've seen. Not what they believed, but what they've seen. I, I think too many of us get real bold about what we believe when you need to be bold about what you've seen. It's easy to get online and sitting in your underwear eating Cheetos and type what you believe, especially in the day and hour that we're in, and go, I'm just going to tell everybody what I believe, and type about what you believe, and then you push send like it's some ballistic verbal missile that explodes out there somewhere, and the shrapnel that takes all kinds of people out, without love, without thought, just going, they weren't talking about what they believed. They were talking about what they've seen. There's some men in our church that I'm very proud of, by the way, and, and from this campus. During the racial injustice that we've seen and during the divide, I, I had one of, our, one of our brothers in the church uh, who's African-American call me and said, Pastor you, we, I need to, we need to get some of the white brothers together. We need to start talking. We need to visit. I said, absolutely. Then I had a white brother said, hey, hey, me and the brothers were talking and we want to we get some men together. 
white brothers, black brothers, because, man, we need to come together, man. We can't let this divide us. And, and of course, I bless that. And they've been meeting, and it's been amazing and awesome. And, and when people ask me, Pastor, you, do you really believe we can tear down prejudice? And I always say this. I go, look, if we can't tear it down in this building, in this room, in this spiritual family, if we can't tear it down here, we can never tear it down out there. It always begins here. And because we're the salt of the earth and the light of the, if we can't do it in here, it has no impact out there. The salt doesn't preserve. The light doesn't shine. And I'm so proud of, of, of those men. Look, you can't, do I believe we can tear down prejudice? Yes, not because I believe it, but because I've seen it. The early church were declaring what they've seen not what they believe. Someone once said, I'm not even sure who said it, but they said the man with a story or the man with an argument is always at the mercy of the man with the testimony, the man who's seen and experienced. They were praying for boldness while we pray for safety. Joseph, will you help me? I'm gonna close and... If, you're, if you know preachers, when a piano player starts playing, it means we're landing the plane. That verse is a little bit embarrassing. They were facing resistance. We're facing resistance. I'm praying for safety, and they're praying for boldness. I, I'm going to pray for you because I believe God, maybe God is not letting us meet for a reason. I, I hear you out there. I know there's some out there who go, we need to be meeting at church right now. And I, I appreciate that. And there's others on the other side going, thank y'all for not meeting right now. And we, we hear both sides and you go, awesome. Maybe God's in the middle of it. Pastor Nick Carroll, one of our pastors, you heard him just a few weeks ago online. And he said, the church has left the building. Maybe God wanted the church to leave the building. That we wouldn't sit inside the four walls anymore and say, let the earth hear his voice. That maybe he wanted us to walk out and not go to church, but to be the church. I'm praying for you for two simple things. And I want you to look for them this week. I want you to look for the opportunity, number one, for the opportunity to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. I'm not talking about online. I'm talking about at the Costco, at the gas station, down there where you pick up your dry cleaning because you're going to hear people talking in the fear and God will give you a word for them to say something, a word of encouragement, to pray for them, maybe to make a phone call to someone that comes across your radar. It could be the Holy Spirit dropping them in your heart to call them at this moment because you might have the encouragement they need. Secondly, I'm gonna pray that God will give you an opportunity not just to say something, but to do something. Maybe, maybe the family down the block has COVID-19 and maybe you could cook a meal and take it to them boldness. 
Maybe to send an offering because of an outreach that's upcoming that you wanted to be a part of. Maybe to cut a neighbor's yard to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The light of the world outside of here, outside of this house, and be the representation of Jesus. To be the church. I, I know we, there's, there's reasons why we can lack boldness. I know some of us have just forgotten the difference that Christ has made in our lives. We, we forgot what it was to be like without hope. To wonder where we stood with God. We've forgotten. We've forgotten what we've seen. I know, secondly, some of us have never known life without hope. We, we always had enough reserves in the bank. Uh, all of our needs were always taken care of. That's not the case for everyone in our world right now. Or maybe you just got distracted. Life got too busy. Maybe even you became too successful. God answered those safe prayers and you're safe. But some of you are just bored out of your mind. It's time for us to pray the prayer for boldness. This is our moment. This is our time. I was sitting with Pastor Jacob just yesterday. He and Michelle, Heidi and I are just visiting, talking about old times and talking about the future. And I asked this question, do you believe a revival is really coming to America? He goes, I couldn't believe anything any more than any time in my life. And I said, do you really believe that revival will come to our Savior's church? Do you believe it will come to our region? And he goes, I couldn't be more sure of anything in my life. Boldness. That's our prayer. Fill us with boldness, Lord, that we may preach your word, that we'll be ready, that there will be signs and wonders of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Look at me right here, right here, right here, right here. Lean in, lean in. Look, look, you ready? The world is praying right now. Those who haven't prayed in years, maybe even those who've never prayed, they're praying the safe prayer. The lost people are praying. They're saying, Lord, just help us. Lord, just, just protect us. Lord, just, they're praying the safe prayer now. Now it's time for the church to pray the bold one. Lord, would you fill us fresh and anew with your Holy Spirit and power. Could we love like only you could love? Love those that are different than us. Love those that don't even agree with us. That we could just love like you love. So we could be the light and the salt to the world. This is our moment. I want to pray for you right now. We're going to pray that bold prayer. I'm going to pray, ask you, you just pray it with me. Just agree with me. The Holy Spirit would fill you right there in your living room, right there on your device, where you're at. If you're driving on the car, if you're driving the car, just pull over real quick. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I come in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. 
And I pray, Father, for those who are watching and listening now. Father, forgive us for our safe prayers. You said without faith it's impossible to please you. And today we recognize the very hour that we're in. We don't say four more months till harvest. We see it now. 19,817. This is our moment. This is our time. Father, we pray for boldness. Give us courage. Give us strength. We need a move of God. We need a revival of God. May we represent you with great courage out in a community. Father, send the harvest home. Father, bring it here. Bring it home. Send revival to our nation. We need it. Let it begin right here in me. Let it begin in you. We pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can you just give me three minutes? Christian, would you just pray right now? I know there's some that are watching here that you're lost. You don't know where you are. Some years ago when my second daughter, Hannah, was driving, she took her first drive into Lafayette, the big city drive. You know, parents, you're worried about them and checking the phone. We knew about what time she should be home. And uh, she had a track meet. She drove down to Lafayette, did her track meet, and then it was getting close for her time to be home. And I get a call. And that voice, you know that voice when your kids call and you know some ain't right. So she calls, Dad, Hannah, where you at? What's wrong? What's wrong? Uh, I, uh, I don't know where I am. I said, well, baby, are you okay? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm driving down the road. I said, well, where are you at? I don't know. That's why I'm calling you. Okay, well, like, what do you see? I don't see anything. Okay, are you on a freeway? Are you on a side street? Where are you at? I'm on a freeway, I think. Okay, I just see trees. It's pitch dark. I said, okay, all right. Yeah, what do I need to do? And I said, well, I don't know, baby, because I don't know where you're at. If I can just figure out where you're at, I can get you home. I said, I tell you what, just keep driving. Don't stop driving. It's fine. You're good. As long as you're safe. Just keep driving, and we're going to, until you see the next sign. Of course, she's driving. And three or four minutes later, okay, here's a sign. What's it say, baby? It says Scott. Okay, for those who live around here, that means she's heading to Houston West when she needs to be going the other way east to get to Opelousas. And I said, well, baby, you're going the wrong way. You got to take the exit, make a U-turn, get back on the freeway, and I navigated her home from there. I couldn't help her until she knew where she was at. You're watching right now? Where are you at? I'm lost. I'm I'm lost. I can help you from there. If you'll just admit where you're at. I'm far from God. I know how to get you back to God. I I can tell you the directions, and then you've got to navigate it in your heart how to get home. Jesus told a man in the Bible who asked him, how do I get home? How do I, what's the directions to eternal life? And Jesus would say to him, you have to be born again. You can't see the kingdom or enter it until you've been born again. 
What does that mean? It means to turn your life over to Jesus. Let him now be the boss of your life. You go, how do you do that? How do you get forgiveness of the sin? Because we all want to be forgiven, and we all know we need to be forgiven. The law of God has been stamped on the heart of every man. We know when we do what's wrong. you got regrets you wish you could wipe away. Some of you have even said, I wish I could do life over again. Can I tell you something? You can. You can do life over again. It's called being born again. How do you do it? It's as easy as A, B, or C. A, admit that you're a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The one sitting beside you is a sinner. Look at him. Tell him, you're a sinner. We've all fallen short. B, believe that Christ came. The reason why he came, he so loved you. He's not mad at you. He came here to pay the price for your sin and mine. To take your guilt, your sin, and your shame. To take it and throw it, his word says, in the seal of forgetfulness and remember it no more. Which just means he refuses to use your past against you. And then C, confess him as Lord and Savior. Make him the boss. Live for him now instead of living for you. Do it his way instead of your way because your way led you to lost. His way will lead you home. I want to pray a prayer with you today. This prayer doesn't make you born again, but the cry of your heart, your repentance of your sin, wanting Jesus to come, that's what makes you born again. And I want to lead you in this prayer. Would you just pray this with me? Mean it from your heart. And we can pray this together. Would you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you face hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Now let's declare this together. Say, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to be born again with Pastor Eugene, congratulations. I believe you've just made the best decision of your life. Now, we would love to help you with your next step. All you have to do is text the word CONNECTOSC to 41411, and someone from our team will reach out to you and help you with your next steps. Finally, thank you for your continued faithful giving and generosity during this very, very crucial time. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so in one of three ways. You can text OSC family to the number 77977. You can go online at ourservicechurch.com and click on give, or you can mail into the address on the screen. Thank you again. God bless, and we will see you next week.